0: Hello, Story Lovers. I'm Laurel McCarg, and you're listening to Alligator Preserves. I have a very special treat for you today. Well, I always have special treats for you, don't I? Today, you're going to meet Grace Ragland. She just completed the Tour Divide, which is, oh, you know, just a little bike ride from Canada to Mexico. And there's something extra special about how Grace finished this race. So don't go away. Welcome to Alligator Preserves, a weekly podcast about revealing yourself through storytelling, story reading, and story writing, but probably not story arithmetic, because that's not a thing. You just might surprise yourself with the secrets you'll uncover. To Leadville, Grace Ragland, and thank you for coming for coming all the way from Alabama. That's right. Thank you, Laurel, for having me. You're welcome. And I and I have to apologize to listeners out there if you hear some heavy machinery in the background. They're still tearing up the road outside, but that's okay. We'll just it, we'll just call that ambiance, right? Right. <laughs> it's it's nice to know that they're doing some road repair in Leadville. <laughs> so, Grace, I got a phone call the other day from. New friends I met who had done the tandem, who had, had used the tandem bike on the stage race. Dave and Jana. Dave and Jana. Yeah. Zangley. And I, I interviewed them. I had a lovely time with them. And they said, we just met this woman, Grace Ragland, and she completed the tour divide. That's right. I sure did. So we're going to get to that. Okay. But I want to start. I'm going to go way back. Okay. All right? Because you have an extra special part of the story of doing the Tour Divide.
1: Oh, yeah. I sure do. And
0: if anyone knows you, they know that you have MS. Now, I read a Denver Post article about you, and they said that you were diagnosed when you were 18 years old just six months after your father had died.
1: That's right. And and as most people know that know anything about MS, you don't just go to the doctor and they say, Hey, you have MS. So my first symptoms were when I was 10 years old.
0: Tell me what your symptoms were.
1: My eyesight, which is classic. But I was 10, and I remember it to this day. And I was playing with my dolls, and I noticed that I if I couldn't really see all my doll. And so I covered an eye up, and I couldn't see out of one eye. And I covered the other eye up, and I could see out of it. So what do you do when you're 10 years old and that happens? You tell your mom? You tell your mom, exactly. So I went and told my mom, and my mother is a huge part of my story. Of course, my daddy as well, but they were super cool about it. They didn't worry me. I I had no clue. They didn't worry me at that point. But from age 10 to 18, I I went to so many different doctors. You name it. I went to the dentist, a neurologist, a plastic surgeon, a chiropractor. It was interesting, and... That's a whole different story for different reasons. Why? Because the headache, the dentist, numbness in my fingers, the chiropractor, of course, the neurologist. So I didn't know that everybody else weren't going to doctors like me. They never made it a big deal. And this was how many years ago? Oh, oh, how many years? We'll do the math. 1980? Because you're... Fifty-ish, and fifty-ish. You're fifty-ish.
0: We'll say you're fifty-ish. So, <laughs> so when you were ten, it was a long time ago. Oh yeah, and, it was a long
1: time ago. And they didn't necessarily
0: think of MS as something to look for with so many different symptoms, right?
1: Well, I don't know that. That's a great question. But now the face of MS is absolutely completely different than it was at that point in time. And I'm sure at, at ten, when I had that symptom, I knew that my mom said, "Gracie." We're going to take a little trip. And this is how she says it. We're going to take a little trip. We're going to go to Vanderbilt's Children's Hospital in Nashville. It was two hours away. I grew up in Chattanooga, Tennessee. She says, we're going to get you some new pajamas. And I'd always wanted feet pajamas, so uh, I got oh. some feet pajamas. And she said, and you're going to make a whole lot of new friends. That's how she tells me. Yeah, so you it know. sounds like
0: you're going away to camp.
1: Yeah. So I remember... Going to the Vanderbilt Children's Hospital, I remember the children's ward, the floor I was on, and my room was at the very end of the hall, the whole room of sick children, and I could see the nurses station right in the center and all the different rooms, and so I did like my mama said, put my pajamas on and I start making friends. I wasn't sick, you know. I just right. had these crazy weird symptoms. My eyesight had come back, but it definitely was an issue. But I was having headaches then. So I go into this first room and um, I had a stack of old maids, you know, cards. And I asked the little girl if she wanted to play old maids. And oh. She didn't have any hair and she was on all kinds of tubes. And we played old maids. And I went to the next room and we played checkers. And that that child was so sick. And after that, I went back to my room and I told my mom I didn't want to wear my pajamas anymore. Oh. Because I wasn't sick and they were and really they were sick. sick. Yeah. And, and, and you were probably confused. I, I was scared Why am I too. With these I'm like I didn't understand. Sick kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I just—I remember I didn't meet everybody because I got scared. There were some in oxygen tents, and right. you know it was Vanderbilt's Children's Hospital. Right. There were sick children, and um, and I'm on the same floor with them. But they didn't diagnose you
0: <clears throat> with multiple sclerosis. They then. didn't. No. And um,
1: at age tens, when I had my first spinal tap or lumbar puncture, oh. had all kinds of tests, and I remember—I remember, I remember as plain as day—they did it in the room. And my mama telling me, you're such a brave girl, and, you know, you, you're you so strong. And, you know, at age 10, and what I did then, from that moment on, I've, I've always, always been strong. You know, it's just, you overcome adversity. I just remember my mama telling me that. and my So daddy, eight years,
0: eight years after that, you were diagnosed.
1: And my, yes, and a and, uh, whole eight years in between that is when I was going to all kinds of doctors and My mother, my daddy died, of course, in 79, and um, I was diagnosed right after that. But he never knew I got a diagnosis with MS. And then my mama died a few years after that, like 10 years after that. And I never, she told me when she told me I had MS at age 18, when I had another episode with my eyes, and which put me back in the hospital. And I had my second spinal tap. And, you know, I had lost my daddy, and I was a freshman in college, doing what freshmen in college right, do, right, drinking beer, right. eating pizza, staying up late at yep. night, just lost my daddy. I was super stressed, of course. I had what we know now is a flare-up. Yes. yes. But the way my mother told me, and by the way, I like to throw in what her name is. Her name was Rosemary. Okay. And so I was a Rosemary's baby, but my yeah. brother used to make fun of me, you're Rosemary's baby. Oh. And it never dawned on me he was too, but (laughs) (laughs) so they tell my mama, Rosemary, that I have MS because it was obvious through that spinal tap. And nowadays we have so much more technology to do MRIs. Yeah. So she waits a few days to tell me I get out of the hospital and they give me some pills to take and you know, how to take it, take six for the first day that da, da, da. mm-hmm. and i go what is this mama and she goes well that's pretty much what they give you when they don't know what's wrong with you and uh, it was a prednisone a steroid okay, yeah. and a few days later she cooked me dinner and she says after dinner she goes let's go into the living room i want to talk to you about something and she had this stack of brochures and she said Gracie, and she pulls them out from behind her back and she puts them on the coffee table and she said, I want you to read every one of these front to back, look at the pictures and everything, and then I want you to throw them away. She said, but this is information on multiple sclerosis and you have a diagnosis now of MS. And I go, well, is that Jerry's kids? And she said, no, it's not Jerry's kids. So my father was a professional musician and they had the telethon in right, Channabria. Right, right. And so... You know, I... That's what you knew. St- yeah, yes. that's what I knew. Yeah. And um, she said, no, it's not Jerry's kids. And um, so I ask another question, is it hereditary? Mm-hmm. And she said, no. And at that, that point in time, they didn't think so. And then I said, can I have children? She said, yes. And she said, well, after you read all that, throw it away, and I want you to go live your life to the fullest. Have fun. You'll figure it out.
0: What an amazing mother. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: And then I'm sure that she just... She was distraught. I don't know she was, but right. we've never discussed that. Of course she died before I really started having major symptoms. And now there's all these wonderful disease modifying therapies for MS and she never knew about that. And and yours is called relapsing remitting? Yes. MS?
0: I didn't know there were different
1: types. hmm There are.
0: Describe what that means, relapsing remitting. Okay,
1: relapsing and remitting. It means You'll have you can have an exacerbation that gets pretty bad, and they can treat that that uh, flare up, an exacerbation or flare up. They can treat it, and then it may last anywhere from a week, all the way up to a couple of years, but it usually goes away. I know from my symptoms that it always leaves me with one little symptom that will kind of rear its head. And learning to manage my MS over the years, I know how to manage that, and I simply. Rest, sleep is very important and lack of stress. Right. I've learned it the hard way. You've learned it the hard way. Mm -hmm. So lack of stress. When (laughs) when did
0: you decide to start challenging yourself physically in big ways?
1: Well, it's kind of like life stack, you know, it adds up. And as a young girl, I've just always played, you know, I call it play. Right. And we were campers. Both my parents were school teachers. My dad was a professional musician. However, he was the band director at UTC in Chattanooga, um, University of Tennessee at Chattanooga. So we had all the holidays off and the summers off, and we would go camping. We had a little camper trailer, and that's how I grew up. And so we always took my bicycle. And if I wanted to do something, build a fort or whatever, I had to try really hard to move a log or a rock or or pine needles or whatever I did to do the fort. and I just worked hard to do it. I was determined. I've always been a very, very determined person.
0: And you never said, I don't want to do that because I have MS and that might stress me out?
1: Heck no, not (laughs) once. That's that's what I call MS, multiple excuses. (laughs) No, I've never used my MS. Now, I explain to people sometimes why I might, have trouble finding words that's one of the the things i must say that challenges me the worst and really is frustrating to me and then when it gets frustrating it gets worse but the cognitive part um and i'll explain some days i'll just say i can't talk and i can talk but i make up words or it sounds to me like i'm very simple like a sixth grade Mm -hmm. sentence Mm -hmm. And those with MS, we relate with each other on that. And I have this awesome coach. And we can talk about her later. But she's been my cycling coach for 11 years now. And And, um, she says, well, I speak grace. It's okay. (laughs) Yes. So. mm -hmm.
0: And, of course, as as I get older, I'm not going to say as we get older. Yes, as we get older, it's sometimes difficult to find words. So add that on top of it. It, uh, Exactly. (laughs) And people
1: say that. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, but I've been dealing with this for so long. Right. When I was in school, I want to say particularly high school, middle school, you know, nowadays they they label you with a learning disability and you get extra time and stuff. Back then they didn't. Mm-hmm. And I was embarrassed. I thought people thought I was stupid. Right. Yeah. And I would cover up things. And that somewhere. was before you even knew what yeah. you had. Even before we knew what we ha- I had, yeah. So, in a way, getting a diagnosis of MS and learning more about it was kind of like, oh, wow, that explains that. It yeah, explains a lot, right? Mm-hmm. So, before the tour divide, which we'll get to, okay. what
0: was your greatest physical feat?
1: Oh my goodness gracious. I've had so many, oh, I have to say, well, of course, I've done the Leadville 100. But that was just part of my life stack that led to me doing stage races. So talk to me a little
0: about what you mean when you say life
1: stack. Just lessons in life that you learn from the day you're born, not necessarily the day you're born, but experiences in life as a young girl. One in particular that really comes to my mind and went over and over in my mind on the Tour de Valle was one time we were camping. It was... Uh, Christmas break, and we were in Tampa, Florida, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and my daddy bought me a kite. It was white and this fun green, and I loved that kite. I mean, I just flew it for hours and hours and hours, and I'd have to go over to this big field to fly it, because daddy explained to me why. Right. Well, I learned a lesson, because I thought, well, I'm right here by the camper, not in the big field. I won't let it go that high, and it got caught in a tree. Yeah. And I went and told my daddy, and he goes, I told you, you got to fly it over there. That's what happens. It was pretty far up there. And daddy says, I guess it's gone for good. Aww. I spent almost that entire day working on getting that kite out of the tree. I was determined. From, I, the,
0: from the ground. You didn't climb the tree, did you?
1: I threw rocks. <sighs> I got I got a stick and tied a string on it and hitting it. And it was it was moving. It was moving. And then I would... Would look at it. And then I got, I found another tree limb on the ground and was trying to reach up to that. And then I got um, some egg carton crates to stand on it. And, and I don't remember my parents being involved. I'm sure they were watching me. Right. But I don't know. But I got that cut out. <sighs> I was so determined. So, you know, it's my, one of my mottos in my life is find a way.
0: Okay. So you heard about the LT100, and since we're in Leadville, and I also read that you completed four of them. Was it the fourth time you did it that you got the special buckle?
1: It was. The third time was after Lifetime had bought it out, and the race was, oh my gosh, it was double the size. So that
0: was about 2011, I think.
1: think. Yeah, it was 11, definitely 11. And... I, all of a sudden, had to line up where they told me to line up, and I was I was fit, and I would have, I know for sure, I have no doubt in my mind, I would have made that buckle if it hadn't been for so many people. But then how again, how close even, did you get? Three minutes. Three minutes. Oh, that hurts. I was very upset about it, oh, and um, that hurts. I really wanted to be done with that. The, the Leadville 100 is um, so many people's passion, and it is not mine. It is an accomplishment, but I have to say it is not my favorite race.
0: So, a more difficult accomplishment other than that before the tour, what would that have been?
1: Oh, gosh, the stage race. Uh, I mean, the stage race here? Uh, no, oh. I haven't done the stage oh, race okay. here. But I, did, my first stage race I did was in the BC bike race, which is, starts British in Vancouver, Columbia. yes, yep. British Columbia. And I did it as a team with one of my best friends, Star, who lives in Chattanooga, and we've raced together. And it was awesome. We did it as teamwork, which doing a stage race as a team is super hard because one may be better at climbing and the other one's better at descending. Um, you have to stay together. And, and it's seven days and, you know, six to eight hours of riding. And we trained super hard for that. We stayed focused on it. Um, I'd say we trained for about four months for it. And it was a race amongst a race the logistics were insane. I'm impressed they pull it off, but you start in Vancouver and you finish in Whistler and you ride school buses, you ride ferries, you ride your bike. And then, and then after the day you've raced, then you have to catch a shuttle. We stayed in motels as opposed to camp, camping. And I'm so glad because that would, I know my MS, I have to have rest to be successful. So, but it was a lot of extra work doing all that. And then, not one time, and this is the key to, I I think, to any en- endurance event or any event, never say, this sucks, this is hard, I can't. Never, ever, ever say it. And because
0: what your head says to you is what your body you responds admit to. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So we were just, we'd go, oh my gosh, oh boy, another one. And at the very end, the very last day, we just looked at each other and said, What the hell did we just do oh my god we survived it oh my god that was crazy hard (laughs) we were so proud yeah and then i went on to just fall in love with that it it's a super accomplishment to do one day but then to do a day after day after day how
0: does how does that race compare with the brick epic which you've done i've done the
1: brick epic too Oh my gosh, they're different. Breck Epic is really hard because you're it's at altitude and recovering after the Breck Epic for me is super hard. I have, um, my right side is my side affected with my MS and I have a weak right leg, but it's nice because I have a bike and when I have to push my bike, it's kind of like a crutch, mm-hmm. and I call my right leg my Elvis leg because it, it oh. wobbles. <laughs> so usually when I get the Elvis leg, it'll go away within you know an hour or so if I relax and calm down. But um, with the Breck Epic, it pretty much stays. And then I did the the full six days of the Epic, and then I did the what I think they call them the Epicurious, the three day. I did two years of the three day. And, uh, I realized that that race for me, I come home and I'm, I'm pretty sick with my MS. And I just, I think I'm going to have to just be satisfied with having that box checked and not doing that one again. But I've done several other stage races, but not in the altitude. But I highly recommend the Breck Epic and the, and the BC. Well, all of them I've done, I just, they're just fabulous. It's a great way to see an area. Uh, Have you met Eldon Nelson yet? I have not. All right. I I did an interview of him. You you
0: should probably listen to that one. Okay. He is going to complete the Brick Epic this year right before doing the the L T 100. (laughs) Yes
1: good for him <laughs> yeah. let me know how that goes right, right. <laughs> exactly
0: I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing how that goes as well he has a podcast as well I'll, oh, fun. I'll put some links to that okay. to, to his podcast as well um, to my listeners out there I hope you're enjoying my episode with Grace Ragland and I hope you'll consider becoming a patron of Alligator Preserves. I'm a one-person operation here, and your contribution will enable me to maybe buy myself a strong cup of tea each month, and maybe even a gluten-free brownie. Go to patreon.com slash alligatorpreserves to see how you can support my work. And now stay tuned as we get to what you've been waiting for. Grace is going to talk about why she had to do the tour divide. Why, after all these things that you've accomplished, why the tour divide?
1: Well, it's really simple to me. Um, I'm going to get tearful thinking about it. I did it for those people that can't. I um, am a big advocate for the MS community, and I've seen a lot of people that can't, and they are very encouraged by me, and I don't understand stand that part. Um, I look at them, and they might be in a wheelchair or walking with a cane, and I'm not. Mm -hmm. Everybody's MS is different. And then I also did it for those people that think they can't because, yes, you can. You can do anything you put your mind on. You just have to believe in yourself, own it, know it, do it, and find a way. And you know what? If you don't finish it, at least do the very best you can and see what that gets you. And I believe that with all my heart, and I keep telling myself, I'll know when I have to stop, and I haven't gotten to that point yet.
0: You have a blog. I do. And it's called, what's what's your blog? (laughs) It's
1: called Gracie Dammit. Gracie Dammit. I wanted to (laughs) ask you about that. That was my nickname when I was a little girl. My daddy was the band director, and so I had an older brother who was a lot older, and so childcare. So they would send me to band practice or whatever with my daddy, and I would be running around the band room, and I'd get under him as he's directing, you know, with the baton. I'd get under him. He'd hit me in the head. With, <laughs> and he Gracie, damn it. Oh, and then all the band kids would call me Gracie, damn it. Oh, my god! So Gracie, damn it, has oh, been my nickname. <laughs> oh, well,
0: that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Oh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's also my um, email address. Okay, all right. <laughs> So
0: I I did take some time to look at some of your blog posts, and I saw that you had an 80-mile-a-day plan. I did.
1: That was your plan for Mm -hmm.
0: doing the Tour Divide. So, Mm -hmm. again, the why the Tour Divide, this would be the longest race you've ever done Mm
1: -hmm. to date. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to date it is. I never doubted for one minute that I couldn't finish it. Part of my life stack is the Leadville 100. You know, that's endurance. And it takes years to build up your endurance. And I've endurance done, at altitude here. At altitude which, yes, as well. Yes, makes a huge difference. And I've done um, the Bike MS 150. Uh, we have a, a thing in Alabama where it's 450 we ride from Birmingham to the beach. And then last year, we rode the whole across the whole state, and that was 650 All that is adding to my endurance and all the training and all the stage racing and all the miles I've done. It just was adding up. And you can tell when you're riding, you know, your, your limit, your hours of time in the saddle. You start feeling, wow, okay, that was a four hour ride and I could probably go two more. And then it starts building. Well, I had, I've had several friends that have completed the tour divide and I, I'm just fascinated with it. And so I, just, I was asking all the right questions. And they're all guys but one female. And um, and then recently, Brent Goldstein. Hey, Brent. Hey, Brent. <laughs> um, you were very substantial in helping me finish. Brent and I would message each other, and I'm like, I feel like I haven't done anything to train for the Tour Divide. And he goes... And then we would talk about gear list, and Brent would validate that we were pretty much on the same page with it. And and let me ask how
0: you met Brent, because Brent Goldstein works with First Descents, Mm -hmm. that organization. And And, you'll
1: have to ask him, but they just recently added um, multiple sclerosis. Oh. Yeah, I was so excited when he saw that.
0: They provide outdoor adventure challenging camps to, it's, it's been in the past anyway, to cancer survivors and patients. Right. And now they're...
1: They've just added they've MS. just added MS. Of, mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Thank but, you.
0: Shout out to FD and, and Brent Goldstein and yeah, his wife like, Lisa and everything that, that you do for that organization.
1: Brent's awesome. I know Brent simply from the level 100. I have okay. a huge family up here. Uh, I mean, that's why I'm here right now. I haven't been home since May the 30th. Oh, I'm homesick. You're homesick. homesick, Very homesick. But I want to stay and see my friends. So we'll get a little bit more into your
0: actual experience on the tour. But when you're not training, what do you do?
1: I work with our local NICA program. And for those NICA. of you that don't know what NICA is, it's an acronym for National Interscholastic Cy- uh, Cycling Association. And it's mountain biking as a club sport for middle schoolers and high schoolers. It's a fantastic program. Wonderful. And it's not your typical stick and ball program. Everybody gets to play. Everybody comes to training and they, it's, it's an all inclusive sport and it's just fantastic. I was substantial in bringing it to the state of Alabama and then I personally brought it to our town of Huntsville and it's I mean I all I do now is just volunteer as a coach but mm-hmm. originally I was like being the skills coach for everybody in town and you're know, training the trainers and all that stuff now we have uh, six teams we started out with two composite teams and now it's just it's exploded and NICA NICA has a goal to have every state in the United States as part of the league by 2020. I don't know how, where they are with that right now. If anybody's listening and you're a NICA person, please forgive me for not knowing those stats. But I know they just brought on three more states, Florida, Indiana, and don't remember the third one. But Colorado has one. Uh, Leadville has an awesome team. And these kids can go to school on a cycling scholarship. Now, up here in Colorado, that's no big deal. Duh, you'll probably know that. Alabama, yeah. nobody had a clue. Right. So that's what I do. I'm very involved in that. And I'm also very involved with the National Multiple Sclerosis Society.
0: Okay. And if you have a moment to do something fun, what would that be? Do you have any other hobbies? or?
1: It's hilarious. You know me as this dirty girl that rides mountain bikes and stuff like that, but I'm a professional seamstress. Really?
0: <laughs> yes. Oh, I have I have to have you meet one of my other local friends, <laughs> okay. Stephanie Spong, who is also a local seamstress and an author and and the president of the Tabor Opera House Preservation Foundation. Wow. I would love to
1: she meet her. She makes Victorian
0: gowns and things and, and everyday Aww. things. And yeah, I gotta, yeah. I gotta hook you up with her.
1: <laughs> yeah. So you're a seamstress. Wasn't I you? am. I That's learned great. when my dad taught at the university that my mom could take classes. And so she took a sewing class 101. And there again, I got to go and the professor Set me down on a um and gave me little projects i was too little to sew on the sewing machine she gave me lots of projects so i made lots of things for my dolls and my trolls and my teddy bear and trolls. the
0: dog oh my gosh trolls!
1: <laughs> <laughs> so and then my mother being the oh my gosh my mother rosemary so i made my made my first skirt i think I was in the second grade and i still have it And I look at it, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, there's no seam finishes. It's horrible. But I wore it to school, like, twice a week for the whole year.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. Mm -hmm. To my listeners out there, I do apologize again for the loud construction noise in the background occasionally. I hope you're enjoying my visit with Grace Ragland. And she is about to tell us the person who first ignited the spark in her to do the tour divide
1: so he did the tour divide last year and he was the final person when I talked to him here in Ladville last year at the hostel he walks in and I knew he just finished and who is he Bobby Smith okay and he rides for chamois butter so he wears this purple and yellow kit and he had that on and that was my first oh my gosh and then I was like it's you behind all those whiskers (sighs) but um he came into the hostel, and I started just asking him all these questions, and I get all tingly. And he goes, Grace, you should do it. And when he said it, my heart went to my toes. Oh. Because I knew right then and there that was, and I knew it was the biggest commitment that I've ever said I'm going to do, unlike a that stage That's That was racing, when you first that's when I decided. considered it.
0: Mm-hmm. Up at the hostel. Mm-hmm. At the hostel. And the Little Hostel and Inn, which has just recently changed ownership. It's now called... In the clouds. In the clouds. It's the Leadville Hostel and Inn, which was a fabulous place to stay, by the way. That was our home away from home when we lived in Colorado Springs before we moved here to Leadville. So, great. yeah, book early. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it, gets, it gets filled up. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, that was the first tingle you got that made you mm-hmm. say, I'm going to do that.
1: I came home from Leadville and um, a year ago, April Fool's Day, I was doing a big training ride. A long day training ride. And I was with one of my NICA seniors and I had a horrible accident, just a freak accident, and I blew my knee out pretty bad. I tore my ACL.
0: Your Elvis on your Elvis leg?
1: No, thank goodness. But that's kind of a bummer because, you know, now my good leg is now my bad leg as well. But yeah, I had to have surgery. It just screwed up everything. I was planning on bringing a group of my NICA kids to Leadville last summer, they did the stage race. It was, they, oh gosh, those kids will never forget that trip. And I, the doctor said, well, you better cancel that trip. You can't ride your bike for six months. Oh. And being grace that I am, I found a way.
0: Grace, damn it.
1: Yeah, Gracie, damn it. it. I mean, I was smart enough to know, didn't hurt myself. And I had this big honking knee brace that I had to wear. And I didn't do any technical riding, but I was riding a little bit. But I got to bring the kids, and there's so many people at the hostel, like Dave, um, Zingerly, and all of these others. They have a ride every morning at 9. The kids got to go. Mm -hmm. So they didn't miss out on anything, and um, so I got to still come. So you signed up,
0: and can anyone do it? Can anyone sign up for it, or do you have to do something to prove that you can do it?
1: No, you don't have to prove anything. It's your own Intelligence. Do you have to pay for it? No, that doesn't cost any money. But you do have to send the race director Matthew Lee a letter of intent, and you're writing this letter of intent, and um, you got to commit to not quit, as King Clover says. Right. right. And uh, once I did that, it was full on. I mean, I from September on. I mean, I've been so busy preparing. For so the you Twitter had guide. to.
0: You obviously had to purchase a touring bike. You didn't have one before this?
1: I did not and and I'm glad you asked that. I have the number one chosen bike for the Tour Divide. It's the Salsa Cutthroat and it was the bike I wanted. However, they're in such demand, they're hard to get and I needed to be on that bike, training on that bike. and I didn't get it until March but the way I got the bike, the Challenged Athlete Foundation paid for my bike. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That's fabulous. It was just, yeah, it was The Challenged awesome. Athlete Foundation. Mm-hmm. I'll,
0: put a, I'll put a link to all these things in my show notes.
1: There's a lot of um, racers doing the Tour Divide that are here from the Challenge Athlete Foundation.
0: So you completed it, and we'll get to some more questions about that, but you completed it. You're the first person with
1: MS to complete the Tour Divide? To even start it. To even start it. <laughs> we submitted something to Guinness Book of World Records. And in order to even to submit it, they have to do a little research. And so it was obvious that I was the only person that's ever attempted it, much less completed it. And then they have to do all this research. I don't know. May or may not be in the book of Guinness Book of World I Records. I buy those
0: every year. I started buying them when our boys were quite young. And I still Fun. buy them. I still, Fun. I How fun. It'd be fun to be in it, whether or not. I don't know, but
1: it's a fact. I did finish it, and I do have MS. (laughs) So tell me
0: about your How heavy is your bike?
1: (laughs) Loaded or unloaded. Both. It varied. It gained weight, and it lost weight, depending on the day. I tried really hard to keep it around 50 to 55 pounds. I think I was successful at around 55. And that's about, what,
0: (sighs) half of your weight right now? Yeah, I, I have.
1: I really a struggle. Times. It's been a, people hate me because of that. I don't even want to tell you how, I'm, I'll just tell you I weigh under 110. Yeah. How's that? Yeah. So it's um, half your weight. Yeah. And I, my coach, you got to gain weight. You got to have at least 15 pounds more. People see me eat. They're like, yeah. I just can't put weight on. Yeah. And then you're burning calories right. and you're training. So, um, and then there was a day, one particular day that sticks out in my head that's going to, Ooh, oh, I'll never forget from Abiquiu to C- Cuba. And there's no water source. It's 78 miles and close to 8K of climbing. And you never know what's going to happen. You could get caught in a rainstorm. You could just be exhausted. So I carried so much extra water and food and I could tell my bike weighed more than ever. I guarantee it weighed between 60 and 65 pounds. Oh,
0: and you're.
1: It wore me out. Pumping it uphill. Yeah. It was okay. a hard day. I mean, it wasn't just... Even if I'd been on a lighter bike, even if I'd been on my mountain bike, it would have been a hard day. The, it was it was technical. And they had had that section closed because of fires. And right. they had opened it up just a couple of days before I mm-hmm. rode through it.
0: Mm-hmm. So it was extra hot. And heat is not good for people with MS either. No, it's not. Oh, boy. It really hard. When you think of all your gear... What is one piece of gear you couldn't have made it without?
1: <laughs> my bike. <laughs> <laughs> well, in addition okay. to that.
0: My bike. Uh, ex- um, extra things that you might have put. Oh, my gosh. Like, let me get back what, what to was, that. What was really, really helpful?
1: I took a couple of, of, what do they call them, comfort items. I took a blow-up pillow. I loved that little blow-up pillow. It was like, it weighed like two ounces, uh-huh. a luxury item. So, darn, I think my puffy hoodie. I loved my puffy hoodie. I still do. And I I had it in the perfect spot, which also leads to another funny part of my story. But it, it was my lifesaver. So, a puffy hoodie, was it cold? Did you get cold? Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. It started in Canada. I mean, I was in wool arm warmers, wool, underlayer, wool, knee socks, and then you're having to climb passes. So I would have just my regular uh, wool underlayer and my jersey and my arm warmers. But then when you get to the top of the pass, then you're gonna descend and it's very cold. So you're you're constantly taking on and putting off stuff. And um, the puffy hoodie, which was a microfiber. So it would get wet, but it dried quickly. And, um, was, was this
0: a melanzana by any chance?
1: No, I no. don't think no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so. So, along, along with that puffy pillow thing, and again, comfort—you need comfort every once in a while. Did you have any lucky charms with you? Did you wear anything that was special, or like a your lucky pair of socks or something? Or I don't know.
1: You know, I didn't have anything like that. But I usually, what I have on my bike, and it is. It's kind of a history to that i had two dear friends of mine that basically took my training wheels off my bike for me they taught me how to ride and it's john dunbar and mike pace and we were tight the three of us riding and stuff and um
0: mike so, so if i could interrupt they they taught you how to ride your touring bike my mountain bike your mountain bike okay mm-hmm. so this is pre-touring bike okay
1: pre-touring yeah and mikey as i called him would talk about the importance of momentum and how important momentum was to riding your mountain bike. I mean, literally, you know, most people want to grab their brakes. And now I'm I'm also a mountain bike instructor. Um, I do that as well. I didn't Mm -hmm. mention that part. But back then, nobody knew how to really teach. You just teach. You fall down, whatever, get up. And John Dunbar would laugh at me every time I'm on the ground, which is a lot. (laughs) Uh, What are you looking for, nickels? So... Mike would call momentum mo, mo, and so I call it mo as well. And then we would find things on the trail. You have to find it. You can't just go purchase it. It has to be given to you. It has to be special to have your mo. And I'll have a mo on my bike, and and sometimes that you lose them. Then you got to find another mo.
0: So give me an example of.
1: Okay, so one of my mos I had, I lost it. I found it here. And it was a, it looked like a, a walnut shell that had been sliced and they had shined it up really good and it was on a keychain. And so that was my mo. I was why? with Mikey.
0: Why that? Why, why
1: why it's because I found it.
0: Oh you found it on the trail. On the trail. Oh and okay. I
1: hooked it on my, my bike seat and it was there forever. <sighs> and it was on the back of a car and somebody's car and we were going somewhere and my bike was and I lost my mo. Aw. I know. But anyway, so I didn't have any Mo on my new touring bike. And I'm like, well, hopefully I'll find some, I'll find a Mo when I'm on the tour divide. And I did. And it was kind of interesting. I was in Canada and it was a really hard day that I was having. And um, I was climbing this crazy pass and it was on again, off again rain. And I was playing a game with myself. I started off playing. I'm going to the grocery store and I'm going to buy apples. And you usually play that with a friend. <laughs> right. And then you, anyway, and then the next thing I did was, how many ways could I cheat and not get caught? <laughs> and I was thinking of the ranch rider drivers that were going by. I could pay them $20 to put me in my bike in the back of their truck and go five miles an hour. <laughs> and then I could, then I was. Pretending like I was in a scene from Hunger Games. Oh, and my gosh. Could, so, and that was just a silly game. And I looked down on the side of the trail, and there was one of the small American flags. Ah. Oh, mm-hmm. Perfect. I go, my mo, My mo. <laughs> and I jumped off the bike, and I picked it up. It didn't have the stick on it or anything. It was like it had flown off. In Canada. In Canada. Mm-hmm. In Canada. And I tied it on the back of my tail bag, and that's my mo. And that's gonna be my mo yeah. until it falls off. So, those are those those are my lucky charms. Those are my things, and so they come and they go. All right. Just like your mo. Just like your mo, they come and they go. They come and they go. <laughs> mm-hmm. So,
0: aside from starting, the race starts in June. What day in June?
1: June eighth this 8th. year, which was a Friday. Which was a Friday. So you started
0: it on a Friday. You rode. Day one, knowing that you were quite ill.
1: <laughs> Find a way.
0: <laughs> you did how many miles that day?
1: 104. 104, ill with
0: fever and chills. I was so
1: sick. I can't believe I did it. I cannot believe I did it. Um, Three days prior, I was getting a sore throat and um, started sucking on lozenges and eating vitamin C. And saying,
0: no, this no, can't be happening no, right now. No,
1: no, no. And then the, I, I messaged my coach, and she goes, do you have a fever? And I said, no, I didn't at that point in time. But my ears were getting clogged up, you know, where you, if you put your fingers mm-hmm. in your ears, you can't hear, and you can hear yourself talk. Yeah, yeah. And on Thursday morning, because Wednesday night, Thursday morning, I was going, oh, my gosh, I'm so sick. I, I knew I had a fever, so I went to the doctor and Banff, and I had a sinus and ear infection, and he gives me a shot and some antibiotics. And he goes, well, I know you're an athlete and you're not going to not do this tomorrow. And I <sighs> said, I'm starting it. And Brent and I had met for coffee Thursday. And I loved his plan, which was to stay in Elkford at a motel and instead of having to set up tent. And you can do that on the tour divide. You know, if you come into a service and there's a motel, everybody does it. So I'm thinking that might be perfect for me being sick. So we got a Mattel and I was so sick I'd get well, we were about 80 miles in and I came up on a group of guys having a snack on the trail and I was trying to talk to him and I, I couldn't breathe. It was like an elephant on my chest. and the words wouldn't come out completely. and this one guy named George said, "Do you want a, a puff of my abuterol?" And I knew it was for asthma, and I said, will it help? He goes, try it. It's not going to hurt you. I took a, a hit of it, and it did open me up. And uh, But by the time I got to Elkford, it it was the strangest thing. I couldn't breathe. Mm. I couldn't finish a word even. And um, I was like, there's no way I'm writing tomorrow. And I hadn't thought of this thing, this part yet. I just said goodbye to everybody, and I stayed in bed. And I ended up having to be in bed two days. Probably should have stayed in bed more. Everybody was gone. Right. I was like... How many people
0: started when you started?
1: Oh, I think there were like 132. I don't know the exact okay. number. Oh, that's a lot. Yeah. yeah. And um, I didn't even think about that part. Really, honestly, I didn't. But you would I would be by then. myself. Yeah. I was just chomping at the bit to get back out there. I mean, I was like doing everything I could. The owners of the motel were Chinese, and the little Chinese lady was like, "You you eat sweet sour soup, you lots of mm-hmm. it." And I kept asking for water. She goes, "You need to drink tea. You drink warm water," and I, she was right. I was like, I usually have ice in my water. And anyway, so chicken she, soup, the old chicken soup, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was true. So finally, on Monday, well Sunday night, I'm just chomping at the bit to go. And I didn't even bother to call my coach and tell her I was going or anybody else. I was like, I'm going. And then, um, that next day was the, oh my gosh, insane. It was, it's called Coco Claims. And for some, for the pros, it's like a three hour hike a bike. For somebody like me, it was a five hour hike a bike. And it's not you're walking on the side of your bike, pushing it hike a bike thing. It's a scree filled. Oh. mixed with several avalanches that had gone over the scree field with trees. Oh, that's
0: just not right.
1: It was like, why? And Brent had sent me a picture, and I'm like, what oh. is that? And he goes, avalanche. Oh, And I'm thinking, I can do it. I'll do it. I was so happy. I was like, I'm to here. I'm the, doing yeah. it. I was so excited. I was going
0: to say on the road, not, not exactly a road.
1: <sighs> I, I came up on a, another guy maybe a mile into it, and he had this big blue suit on. It was some kind of paper rain suit or something. I go, hey, Tour divide Rider. He turns around and he goes, oh, hey. I go, are you okay? No, not so much. I've had a bad day. And I'm like on cloud nine. I'm like manic excited to be out there. And I'm snot coming out of my nose. I sound like i been talking like that. And I go, whoa. What happened? He goes, well, my wallet and my my passport and all my credit cards came off. And um, he had had it tied on his sweet roll in the front of his bike with twine. I was like, "Uh, you might want to think about, I don't know. Did he find them? Did he go back He found them. But it um, lost them all that time. Yeah. Yeah. So we start hiking up, going up all that. It was so hard having to pick that bike up and up and over. And then I would get... Up on, up on the avalanche tree and then reach down and pull my bike up. And that went on and on and on. And I'm just, i was just like, was so happy. I didn't care. I was like, this is awesome. So, okay.
0: so that was not your hardest day. So other than being sick, what was the hardest day of your, your, your goal was <laughs> to finish it in how many days? Between
1: 40 uh, between and 50? Between 40 and 50. And you finished in how many days? 41. 41 days? <laughs> <laughs> Good job. I could have finished it sooner if I hadn't been had sick. If you weren't sick. sick. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. Out of those 41 days, does one day stand out in your mind oh my gosh, as yes. a day that you really maybe might have doubted?
1: Oh, yeah. It was one day I cried. Oh, my gosh, this day. It was early on. I was still in Canada. Oh. <laughs> and before I left, one of my friends that had done the Tour Divide, very substantial in helping me, Scott Thigpen. I was in Birmingham. The first person in, from Alabama to do the tour divide, and um, first guy, and I'm the first wimp female. Yay. Yay! And I was nervous about the bears, and um, I'm not nervous about anything. I'm not afraid to sleep by myself in the woods, or you know, animals aren't really stalking you. And but the bears were a different issue. The the grizzlies, and Scott told me. He says, "You know, Grace. He says you're really going to be fine." With that, if you do everything you're supposed to do. He goes, unless you're wrapped in bacon. Oh. And I just laughed. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, right, Scott. Well, I had gotten to Whitefish. So I was in Montana one night. Yeah, I was in Montana. Whitefish is Montana. And I had this huge breakfast that morning. Because you could ride. You could start a little later. I hadn't quite figured it all out at that point. yeah, But you could start a little later because the sun didn't set till 10. So I had this huge breakfast, still trying to gain weight. So I ordered two breakfast meals, like waffles, and then a big burrito or something. Anyway, so both of them came with bacon. And um I had leftover food, and the The sweet waitress said, let me wrap your bacon up to oh, go. No. So she put it in a Ziploc baggie, oh. and I put it in my back left <sighs> pocket of my jersey.
0: Oh, you were wrapped with bacon. This wrapped in bacon.
1: <laughs> and I'd forgotten about it all day long. And I'm going through... You're seeing bear scat, moose scat, everything. You know, I was in... It was obvious. But I was being as loud as I could with still a little laryngitis and coughing. And coughing was being loud, too. I had a bear whistle. I had a bear bell. I had my bear spray. And I'm trying to yell. I could only really get out. Hey! (laughs) Yo! (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, I'm going to go to Holland Lake, which I misjudged the distance. This is all st- still being rookie ish. Yeah. And it was about 15 miles further than I had thought. But I was okay. Everything was cool. I'm trying to be brave. And they've said, you know, the animals really aren't going to bother you. They come out at dusk and dawn. Mm-hmm. Unless you're wrapped in bacon. Unless in you're wrapped in bacon. Oh my <laughs> gosh. And I was. So it's starting to, the sun's starting to set. And I'm like, dang, where am I? How far? Much further. But I know it was on course because my uh, Wahoo was leading me the right way and all of a sudden it went off the dirt road the, the course took a hard left onto overgrown single track with downed trees and the mosquitoes were nuts oh. and I turned on to that and I'm like are you kidding oh my god oh my god oh my gosh and then I'm thinking just get out of here hurry stay loud be loud and then I, I heard Scott Thigpen in the back of my head go unless you're wrapped in bacon and that's when I realized oh. I had and I took it out of my pocket and I flung it as far as I could and then I go oh my god I littered I littered and I I stood there for a second and thought do I go get it and I thought no get the hell out of here now go as hard as you can and I was it was hilarious then it got dark so you were afraid I was that's the most frightened I've been one of the most frightened I've ever been in my entire life and then the stress on top of stressing stressed me even more I was like "Eh -eh." and um I got back on the road And it was dark by now. And I was descending, and the mosquitoes were hitting you like you could hear them hitting your jacket. Ew. And I had to put my sunglasses back on.
0: Oh, gross.
1: At night. (laughs) At night. And I totally had forgotten. No clear lenses?
0: You didn't have any clear lens glasses?
1: I had clear lenses, but I wanted to get out of there. I didn't want to dig in my stuff to put them on. And I had a mosquito net, too, to go over my head, and I'd forgotten about that. But I got to the inn the Holland Lake Inn about 1130 and they were booked Oh, I just I I mean what I I looked at the guy and I just said seriously can I camp behind you he goes no can I sleep with someone yeah cause you gotta go like down further to the campground and I and in my head I'm going to plan B right but I really didn't want to do plan B cause I was so tired I'd ridden about 114 miles oh and um, I ended up having to set up tent in a windstorm, and that was comical. And I started just laughing because I got shrink-wrapped by my tarp. And I was like, I just lied on the ground and said, You big dummy, you signed up for this. Suck it off. And I was just chuckling. I got giddy. Yeah. So I crawled in my tent. It was about one thirty. by the time I got all, oh, oh, I got to the campground. And I, there was one person awake, and it was a group campground, and I said, are there bear boxes around here? I didn't want to have to set up my bear bag because that takes time. Yeah. And he goes, I'm straddling my bike with my hands on the handlebar with light. He goes, uh, no, just put it in your vehicle. <laughs> I went, really, dude? I just looked at him like, Wow. <laughs> Oh. Anyway, but the next morning's when I cried. I was just exhausted. I called my coach. I was like, oh, my God, that was traumatic. I was oh. like, oh, I was wrapped in bacon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that fear. hmm Oh, so that sounds horrendous. <laughs> Four out of 41 days, was there one best day? Now, in my mind, it would be the finish day when you finish, but... I understand that that's a very anticlimactic day. You're just kind of there. You you, you had me laughing on your podcast. There, there are no blue angels flying over. There's no parade. You don't have.
1: I <laughs> like no the tape. marching
0: band. <laughs> yeah. There's no tape to to cross. There's no timer there. You just oh, all of a sudden you're there at the end. Uh-huh. All of a sudden you're by there by yourself. And I knew that ride.
1: was going to be the case, but I had to. I, I entertain myself a lot, <laughs> just thinking silly things. So, what was the
0: most glorious day, if I could use that oh word? Gosh,
1: they're kind of combined because it was the people that surprised me on the trail. You know, that was that was epic, and I had that happen three different times during the course. Just you know, what I called ambushed with friends, uh-huh. and then, of course, I all the people I didn't know the Trail Angels were amazing. Trail like, Angels. Mm-hmm, hmm. Lots of Trail were Angels. Were they people
0: who knew that you were doing the tour? or
1: They were random people um, that would do acts of kindness. And I'm a big believer in pay it forward. And basically, that's what they're doing. You know, you pay it forward, and then it'll happen to you sometimes. So what and, was paid forward to you? Wow, well, let's see. Somebody gave me a banana. <sighs> I had couple of people, different people give me water. In Canada a logger stopped and he said, You look hungry. I have homemade fried chicken and a score candy bar. Oh that was he was my first trail angel. I had this was the one of the days I was riding with a gentleman that I had found on the trail on the doing Mm -hmm. the tour divide and we were in Salida at the coffee shop in Salida Colorado. Colorado. yeah and we had gotten caught in a big thunderstorm and we probably looked like something the dog brought (sighs) and we were up at the brown dog at the coffee shop and at the cash register about to give him our order and a gentleman walks up and he said i want to get their breakfast i'm paying for their breakfast oh i know and i I looked at him i was like oh my gosh thank you wow and this was the crazy thing after he bought our breakfast, he, s- he sat down and was talking to us. And he was from Huntsville, Alabama, where I'm from. No way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That
0: is awesome.
1: Sure. Small world. Isn't yeah. It?
0: So it sounds like pretty much most days you found things to move you forward, to keep Absolutely. you going.
1: I had lots of carrots, too. What I call carrots. Yeah. Things to look forward to. Each day, would you plan for where your carrot would be? Not necessarily. But you would plan... You would plan to try to make it to a certain point for sure. And to me, I would ride to sleep. I'm not one of those tour riders that rides all night long and you just ride till you can't anymore. I rode to make sure I got sleep, at least eight hours of sleep. So, what was your longest day, mileage wise? I think I did a hundred and twenty-six mile day one day. That was from Cuba. Where did I go? I can't remember. We'll look it up went on your blog. through the <sighs> went through the Indian reservation. Darn, I'm sorry, I'm drawing a blank okay. right now. It's okay, it's probably yeah, in the blog. <sighs> and yeah, it would be. And then another long day was from Silver City to Antelope Wells, and I left at three in the morning, and I found that I really enjoy riding into the light mm-hmm. as opposed to riding out of it. Yeah, and I'd known that from some of my other experiences like doing double centuries and you'd rather start early yeah and finish before the dark right so that morning I started at 3am and it was so cool. the stars in the sky were unbelievable but <laughs> i had purchased this awesome hat thingy it was called dubram like d a capital b r i m debrim. debrim debrim i and saw i
0: saw that on one of your episodes as well
1: i saw northbounders wearing them and i'm am blonde my lips are still affected by <sighs> the trip and and heat is another issue and i knew it was going to be hot Brent tried to talk me into doing it the day before and i know for my success i had gotten into silver city around four or five that afternoon and i needed to pack everything up and to get up early that morning to ride it would have not been smart it wouldn't have been a smart way for me to manage so i stayed an extra night sort of half a night and i was so anxious i I fell asleep finally but i woke up about one and kind of tossed and turned and finally about two o'clock i'm like all right get up let's do it That I had gone to the bike shop the day before because my blinky wasn't working. And they had a Debrim in there. And I'm like, that's that's the answer. Perfect. So I had it on my head at 3 in the morning. And in order to look up at the stars, I was having to really bend (laughs) way back. But then I saw deer. I finally got out of town, and I got on um, one of the fire service roads. And it was pitch black. It was so dark, and I'm just thinking, I am, I'm like, I could be on Mars right now. (laughs) This is so cool. And then you couldn't see that you might be descending or ascending. You just could tell by your perceived heart rate and um, exertion. That dark. It was that dark. And then when the sun starts coming up, it's so cool to see the sunset, sunrise. That's A bonus in it all.
0: Nice. Yeah. What was your last day. What was your shortest distance day?
1: (laughs) I did The day after my traumatized bear wrapped in bacon day.
0: (laughs) Your crying day.
1: (laughs) My crying day. And I was so exhausted. I slept till like 9.30 and then I went back to the lodge and got breakfast and sat there and got on the internet and that kind of stuff. And I left about three in the afternoon and only rode like... I think it was like 38 miles. I rode to off course to a little town called Sealy. Mm-hmm. And on my way out, heading out, I ran into my first tour divide riders. I was so excited to see them. Wow. Dwayne and Zach. And I saw them and I started crying. <laughs> and Dwayne goes, What's your name? I said, Grace, he goes, You're gonna be okay. I'm like, but it was like last night I in, the, in the mosquitoes and the and the bears, and then I didn't get in. The, anyway, he goes, You're gonna be fine. It's okay, it's okay. And I told him where it was headed. It was Richmond Pass. Lots of snow drifts to have to hike your bike over. Single track. I love single track. I had the best day ever. But I told the, the guys, Dwayne and Zach, that I'm going over Richmond Pass, and they go, by yourself today? And I thought oh, no, is that another bad decision? <laughs> and I thought, you'll be fine. Just see what it is. You can handle Is in my head is what I'm saying. And um, I said, yeah, I'm going to go to ceiling. I'm There's a couple motels there. I'm going to stay there tonight. And <laughs> I get up over Richmond Pass. It was raining, and I had this snow. I was in my whole complete rain suit with my puffy underneath, and I had the best time. And then descending. At one point, there was like, you could see a space in the trail where there was no snow, but then there would be snow, so you could ride those sections. And I was like, oh, I wonder if I could ride that next snow drift. And I came at it full on like a oh. bull and got like three feet and fell over. <laughs> and I just, I lied there in the snow and made snow angels. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> and I was laughing going, oh, my God, it's so much fun. And then I get down and I get to Sealy, and I pull up at that little motel. And there's Dwayne and Zach eating an ice cream cone. What? That's exactly what I said. I go, what? what? I'm looking around thinking, I thought I know I was on the right course. And they were headed, I was like, and they kind of went, oh, we cheated. <gasps> we took the road. Oh, did you um, know that you could? No, it wasn't oh. even an option. You can't. You're not, it's not, you got to do, oh, I did no the right fair, thing. no fair, guys. No fair. No fair. was like, you guys. Eating an ice cream cone wusses. while she was. Yeah.
0: Blasting through snow
1: I know, and I'm like up there making snow angels and having a blast. (laughs) Well, you had a better time. I needed that day. That was the shortest day I did. Do you have a mantra that you would say? Oh, yeah, every single morning. I can. I am. I will. I did. Nice. Every single day. And it went across my eyes like a black and white billboard. (sighs)
0: Beautiful. Beautiful. I can. Starting with I can.
1: Mm-hmm. I can.
0: Yeah. All right. Foods that you won't want to look at for the next year.
1: Probably never. Cliff bars. Cliff <laughs> bars. That's, I ate but so many they Cliff were they awesome? Bars. Were they awesome? They were. They, did, did Cliff support, bars support you? They totally supported me. Okay. They maintained my, my blood sugar, my hunger. I ate every day, I'd say, at least six to eight. Did they... They sponsor s- you? No. Oh, hello, maybe. Cliff Bar. You need to sponsor me <laughs> fully. I'll do the tour divide again if you'll support me all the way. But will you? Will you eat them again? <laughs> I will even eat them again. <laughs> Favorite flavor? Oh my gosh, the macadamia white oh, chocolate. Oh yeah, those are my husband's oh, favorites. Oh my gosh, they were fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I loved them. Mm-hmm. And then I started thinking, I'll try, I'll try different ones. I think I got an apricot one one day and. um mm-hmm. Blueberry. Style.
0: All right. Cliff Bar. Hope you're listening. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you're going to write a book. Yeah, I am. It's time. Why? I just have a very interesting life. And I've had so many people tell me I motivate them. I inspire them. And I, it, for the longest time, I'm just like, I just don't get it. You can do this too. Get on your bike and ride or just do something. Find a way. And through this Tour Divide, I realized it in a kind of a way I need to do it. I feel like it's a responsibility now. I'm a pay-it-forward kind of person. And I used to think if I could just make a difference in one person's life, then I've accomplished something. And then that person can in turn make a difference in someone else's. Now it's like it's been a lot of people. And it's just because I'm Grace. I'm just well, doing what will I the know. book
0: focus on the tour or Will you use the tour as an overriding theme for your life, or will it be more of an autobiography?
1: I like all those questions, and (laughs) those are all questions I've asked myself, and I don't know the answer yet. I will say this, and don't say, oh, Grace, don't just say that, but I know me. I love humor. Humor gets me by. Humor helps me with all kinds of awful things you were laughing
0: when other people would have been crying yes
1: and I my mother taught English too (laughs) is how funny but I don't have a clue how to write a book I don't even know where to start and I want I don't want to just halfway do it I want it to be good I want it to be good enough to be noticed and I have another friend at home his name is Steve Justice I'll mention him he used to come to my spin class Hundred and two years ago, <sighs> sorry, Steve. Um, and Steve Justice. Steve Justice. Greet me. And he <laughs> he took his family on this summer trip in Wyoming, and they rented one of those RVs. Rent me on the side. Uh-huh. And he wrote a blog, and I didn't even. It was so long ago. I I had heard of blogs, but I read it every day, and I would be barreling laughing and i come back and tell my spin class y'all you've got to read Steve's blog it's hysterical mm-hmm. and um I love how he writes he's a cyclist everything he his sense of humor and the way he looks at things are similar to mine and during the tour divide I kept thinking if I could just get Steve so Steve uh, she's asking you to ghostwrite her book I already asked him oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've already asked him and Steve, I hope you speak grace because, <laughs> 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 but I really think, I just see, I see a good book and a, a good read. And I hope so because I've, I've got so many stories in my entire life. Um, there's so many Rosemary stories I that, and, and part of why I am the way I am is a huge part of Rosemary. Right. And being that my daddy died so young, I hate that he's not a larger part of my, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. my life. Got it robbed. Sounds
0: like you have many stories, mm-hmm. and I know that you will find the right way to present it. Mm-hmm. And I am amazed by your will, and your guts, and <laughs> your determination, and all those things. I and, think, and when I when I think of myself and what I've done, you make me want to do more.
1: Thank you. I think a big part of it too is kind of being clueless and I'm not afraid. <laughs> Just look at my scars.
0: <laughs> well, Grace Ragland, how can people find out more about you?
1: Well, I encourage people I like I like Facebook. I'm one of those people. I've had somebody label it Grace Book. I don't really do it a lot, but that's a way that you can message me, friend request me, and then message me. That's one way you can find me. And you're
0: just Grace Ragland? I'm just Grace Ragland,
1: Huntsville, Alabama, and then also the WordPress. And feel free to email me at Gracie Dammit, and Dammit is spelled...
0: D-A-M-N-I-T. I-T,
1: at Mm yahoo.com.
0: I'll have Um, links to all these on my website. What's next? Other than the book.
1: Oh, darn. That was my answer. Other than the book. Okay. Well, I'm dabbling in that. And I have i think one thing I want to say is I'm open for suggestions. And I know when something interests me, I'll get that warm, fuzzy, tingly. I've had a few people say, what about the Trans Am? And at first I said, that absolutely does not interest me. But I talked to a, a very nice guy at a bike shop down in Silverthorne yesterday. And he told me a little bit more about it. So I might find out some more info on that. That costs a lot of money to do that. I do have the bike, but then there's something that Lyle Wilcox did, the Baja Divide, but that's dangerous. I don't want to set myself up for failure. Mm -hmm. That's dangerous in a few sections. And then I'm open for suggestions. If you ask me if I'm going to do the tour divide again, I was asked that almost immediately, and my comeback to that was, you don't ask a woman that's just given birth to a baby are you going to have another one. Right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so been there done that. I see you being the kind of person who would move on to the next challenge.
1: Amen, that's exactly me. Right. I like there's so many awesome things out there. there Why are. do something continually continually. Right. I can see doing it maybe twice because especially the tour divide now I've learned some things. Ah. Yeah, there's so many other cool things out there. I just don't know what they are. I want to I want to figure it out. I'm, okay, a, I'm so not. I'm not done yet. So I'll we're, do something. we're
0: we're looking for suggestions for yeah. what Gracie Ragland can do next. Damn but it. be
1: realistic. If you're going <laughs> to grow out she ideas, she
0: MS. <laughs> there are limit. There are some limitations. Not a lot. The, not a the lot, heat and the cold. But,
1: but I yeah. think about the heat and the cold are hard. I will never climb Mount Everest. That's out of the question. Yeah. Everyone's done that. Yeah, right. I'm like, this is stupid. I've had, to, that's stupid for me. I wouldn't do that. That would be setting myself up for failure. Well, Definitely. Gracie
0: Ragland, I know you're anxious to get back home, and I wish you safe travels. And I would love to follow you and see where life takes you.
1: Laurel, thank you so much for having me. It was awesome to chat with you, and I haven't really had a chance to talk a whole lot about the tour divide yet and i'm going home and i can't wait to see all my family my friends my friends are my family and and start this book talk to steve justice steve justice get on that
0: (laughs) (laughs) thanks again Mm -hmm. thank you so much you can find today's show notes with links and photos on my website at ledville so go and check that out And if you enjoyed this and other episodes, please subscribe to Alligator Preserves wherever you get your podcasts and tell your friends about it. I hope you'll help support me on Patreon. Go check out the rewards you'll receive at patreon.com slash alligatorpreserves for as little as $1 a month, but for $3 a month, you get something really extra special. And join me next time when I'll talk about something completely different. But oh my goodness, until then... What kind of preserves would Grace have spread on her toast? I forgot to ask her. But she did really love the watermelon slices we had after our visit. So I'm going to say watermelon jelly. Yeah, that sounds that sounds really good, actually. Does anyone make a watermelon jelly? Watermelon jam? Get on that, somebody. Bye. Alligator Preserves is hosted and produced by Laurel McCard, with technical support provided by her husband, Mike McCard. Follow her on her website at leadvillelorel.com, where she writes about life, real, and imagined. If you enjoyed this podcast, you might enjoy her books. Find her work at amazon.com.